Hi, it's Cammy Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening from wherever you are listening from. Welcome to episode 19 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast, the only active Wakefield Trinity podcast worldwide. I'm your co-host, Jamie Robinson. Usually we are introducing somebody from the past and the glory days gone by, but today is our first interview with the current member of the squad. But first, before we do, let me introduce you to my co-host, my dad, Lee Robinson. How are you doing, Dad? Hello, uh, thank you. All good and all good after yesterday. And it's great to have a member of the first team on. Uh, as we said, today we've got modern day. We usually uh, stick to heritage and years gone by, but we're delighted to welcome a, a present day hero today. Born and bred in New Zealand, he has become our most capped New Zealander in respect of appearances so far. 146 times he's, he's pulled on the Wakefield Trinity uh, first team shirt. Uh, that's a record for any Kiwi uh, at Trinity. A big warm welcome to Tinirau RT Arona. Cheers. Thank you for having me, um, Lee and Jamie. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, you're saying uh, that you do a lot of, uh, is it past heritage players? Um, so if you, I think it's like going on to my seventh season. I feel like a bit of a dinosaur in the shed. So, <laughs> when they, when a bit of past and present at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean to be fair, it's been a long time since we've had such a big collective of players who've played over 150 games or more. You're, you're approaching that as well, mate. Do you, are you, do you feel part of the furniture now at Wayfield? Is it your second home? Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely, it's um, you know it's always going to uh, have a close place to my heart. Um, it's definitely grown on me over the years, and um, you know Wakefield's my home away from home. I've said it before, and. Um, it's um, a place that I'll uh, definitely keep close to my heart. Excellent stuff, mate. I mean, you've had some decent wins in your time and obviously some good moments at Bellevue, but back-to-back wins away at Warrington must be up there for you. Yeah, I only realised after last week's game that uh, we hadn't beat them away since 2014, was it? Um, so yeah. to be able to go there and do it back-to-back, it's uh, good signs for our team and our club. And um, yeah, we're... We're proud of the last uh, two weeks, the performances that we've put out. Very much so. And, and the whole fan base are as well, mate, as well. So we start off every podcast with the same question. So we're going to fire it over to you first, T. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the words Wakefield Trinity? Uh, home. Yeah, for me, that it's now, um, it's now home. Wakefield Trinity, if you asked me years ago, I probably... Uh, before I come here, I probably wouldn't have known what uh, what Wakefield Trinity was or where it is. Um, but now, you know, seven years later, it's it's home for me. Excellent stuff. Do do a lot of the you know the the, the imports that come over. You know, you start in the NRL, for example. Do a lot of the guys adapt to Wakefield quite well. You know, to Fita and Tanganoa, etc. Um, I think recently, yeah, we've um, we've had a good uh, group of players that have come over and. We've all um, looked after each other and sort of made sure that once everyone's come over, they're joining, you know, the Wakefield family and we all make sure that we all stay close together, um, being, away, being away from Australia and New Zealand, away from our families. It's important that, you know, we have a close community for not only, not only ourselves, but also our, our wives and our families. 
our kids um, as long as they're happy. You know, we can we can continue to uh, perform on the field, and um, you know, they say happy wife, happy life. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, it's been good last oh, since I've been here anyway. Wonderful, lovely stuff. Um, you're a Cook Island international. Uh, what's your family background in relation to these islands, uh, and what brought them? To, what took them to New Zealand? So uh, both my grandparents on both sides are Cook Islands. Uh, Cook Islands is made up of 15 small islands uh, in the Pacific Ocean. The main one being Rarotonga. It takes about 45 minutes to drive around the island on a uh, scooter, going at about maybe 20 to 30 miles an hour. So it's a, it's a small island. Um, and all my grandparents are from different different islands of the Cook Islands. So uh, I think it was my mum's parents. They moved to New Zealand uh, when I was oh before I was born, more for uh, for opportunities uh, to build. You know, to build their fam- they grew their family there, and my mum. Uh, I uh, went over to Cook Islands for, I think it was a holiday or for a bit of work and or for the experience. And then over there, she met my dad. So my dad was um, born and born and grew up in Rarotonga. And then uh, <laughs> we, went, we went back when I was a child. And uh, I remember we drove past this house and my mum and dad uh, looked, at, looked over to me and said, oh, you were made in that house over there. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, and then we, from there, we moved over to Australia um, off just for, for more opportunities. Uh, but yeah, it's worked out pretty well. So what was like, you, 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 were, you, were you were born in Dunedin? Yeah, I was born down, so Dunedin's at the bottom of New Zealand, south of New Zealand. Um, so tell us about Dunedin. What was it like being brought up in Dunedin as a, in the 1990s? It was, um, I remember it being quiet. Um, I remember, I, th- I think it was very similar to here. Very, very similar to here, but in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have a cathedral like Wakefield? <laughs> they, um, yeah, they have a big church there. Um, they have, there was no rugby league. It was all rugby union. So I grew up, my first sport was rugby union. Um, I didn't know anything about rugby league. I didn't uh, follow rugby league when I was a child until I moved to Sydney. So Dunedin was a big, so the, their home team is the um, Otago Highlanders, mm-hmm. Super Rugby. Um, yeah, so that was my my dream. Every every kid's dream in New Zealand is to become an All Black. Uh, so playing rugby union back in Dunedin, that was my uh, my dream as a kid to, to play for the Otago Highlanders and then also pay, play for the All Blacks. So what took your family to Sydney? And it must have been quite an exciting or big, or was it not an exciting move for an 11-year-old moving countries? Yes, yeah, so dad moved over to Sydney. He um, he found some work as a steel fixer and he earned some good, you know, good wages in Sydney. Um, so he moved over first and then me and my brother and my mum packed up and moved over in year 2000. So that was my last year of primary school. And I remember it being um, a very tough time for myself. You know, I was pretty comfortable um, in Dunedin, had all my friends and family there and having to move into a real big city um, out Western Sydney and just adjusting to their culture and the change of lifestyle was was challenging at that time. Um, 
but yeah, it took me a few years and I adapted and, you know, I never, I never looked back to it. Quite enjoyed it after a while. Yeah, it's not only difficult moving schools at a young age, but never mind moving countries as well, mate. I, I guess it helps that you went with your brother. Did you grow up being quite close with him? Yeah, my brother is um, he is three years apart, so he's turning 30 um, in next week, I think, or the next couple of weeks in early April. Um, we weren't being three years apart. We weren't so close growing up. You know, we were because we're at different ages, but we did have each other. We always had each other and we always looked after each other. Um, I did spend a year, I don't know if it was mentioned, I, I spent a year living in Cook Islands when I was, the year before I moved to Sydney. So it would have been 1999 when I was in year five. So I had one year living in Cook Islands, moved back to Dunedin, and then all of a sudden we're moving to, uh, to Sydney. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was, I think just having my brother there was uh, was that security blanket. You know, we've always been a close family, um, and growing up together, it was good to have each other there. Obviously, Sydney in the early two thousands, well, rugby league was huge over there. The, the Roosters were big, the Bulldogs were coming through. Is that where your rugby league kind of, you know, love for it came through? Um, no, not really. I think where I first heard about rugby league was at school. We used to, they used to play some type of rugby league or uh, in the playground. And I remember some kids saying, oh, you know, I'd smash you if we were, if we were playing rugby league. And I was what's this rugby league stuff all about? Um, and I think my mum just put me in a club after a couple of years just to get involved in sport. So my first team was um, St. Mary Saints. And that was in a division two team. Um, the very next year, I, I quite enjoyed the enjoyed the experience of my first year playing a new sport, trying to learn the game. But then the next year, they didn't let me in that Division One team. I think we might have been under 13s. So we went to the rivals that were St Clair Comets, um, and then I ended up spending the next you know, half a decade there with St Clair Comets and winning comps and junior ages for in the uh, Panthers district. Uh, still very close to a lot of my teammates um, now, at the, like right now. So yeah, it's it's always been, uh, looking back now, it's it's been a, quite a fun childhood. Excellent stuff. The catchment area for Penrith is, is ginormous, isn't it really? Did it? Was there always kind of Penrith scouts, Penrith coaching staff at, at most games? Yeah, so the game, the, the junior development at Penrith Panthers, it's massive. I think it's one of it's the world's biggest um, junior development system in the uh, in rugby league. So you know, a lot of players I know that have come over here or played NRL have come through the Penrith Panthers um, district. Um, and I remember, you know, there was always scouts out watching watching games, and um, at the end of every year, they'd pick a like a merit team. Um, so it'd be like your Penrith Panthers representative team under 15s, 14s, 16s. And it was like a, it was a privilege to make those teams. You know, when you made that team and you seen your paper in the, you seen your name in the paper and you got a training, a Panthers training shirt or a Panthers training bag. It was, uh, you'd, you'd be proud to wear it. You'd walk around, walk around the shops. Um, yeah, so it was always, there's always a goal to try and you know make those teams and eventually um, use that to to grow in the sport. 
Were you a Penrith fan growing up then? Um, I'll be honest, I didn't really like watching rugby league. I didn't really like watching sport. I think I read I read recently that you know players they like to play the game, um, and then I leave I leave the fans to watch the game. So I did, I never really enjoyed watching the games. Um, I remember when I was a child, would all our all our boys would go watch or go to the Penrith Panthers games when you know Luke Lewis was on the wing and there was uh, Ryan Girdler, Preston Campbell. It was around that that year. But we were we were there just walking around looking at chicks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for nearly answer my next question. I've obviously been born in Dunedin. I was going to ask whether you were a Kiwi fan. Did you watch the Kiwis on telly or at all, anywhere? Uh, the all more so the All Blacks. I think when you know when the All Blacks play every Kiwi, it's. It's like a religion, you know. It's it's important that we all go make sure that we watch and support our country. And um, yeah, I always enjoyed watching the, you know, going from the hucker and then hoping that Australia, uh, All Blacks would always beat Australia, beat the Wallabies, and then, you know, you're just being a proud Kiwi at the time. You know, you can go to school and have that chip on your shoulder. <laughs> Very good. So what brought you into the Penrith Panthers youth system? Did you go from St. Clair's Comets to, to the Panthers youth team? So St. Clair Comets is one of the junior clubs under the Penrith um, banners. So under the, in, under Penrith, so in the Penrith district. Um, and then eventually, I think I ended up playing good enough to get the scout size and then getting into, you know, the, the junior development system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'd have a few, you know, games at the end of the year versus other clubs. Um, and then, yeah, so I remember, so coming through, there was, in my age group, Willie Isa, he was another one uh, that played at Wigan. We grew up together playing in that Penrith team um, through the ages. Jesse Senelafeo was another one. Uh-huh. There was a fair few that we all come through together and played um, in that as Penrith juniors, all the way up to um, like our Toyota Cup 20s, our mm. 20s um, year. I also read that your very first visit to the UK was with that team. Was, yeah. that, was that a junior side that you came over on tour with? Yeah, so the, it was the under-19s team and they just finished winning the Jersey Flair competition that was at the time there. They beat Parramatta in the grand final. Um, so they brought over a team. We just turned 18. And then we came over and played uh, St. Helens and Leeds, who were the academy, I think it was the academy champions then. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember looking back, we did win the game at Headingley and we beat Saints as well. Um, and Ben Jones Bishop played in that in that Leeds team. Uh, yeah, I remember we spoke about it last. I said, oh, you were part of that Leeds team, weren't you? That- when we came over and beat you at Henley, he goes, "Yeah, that was us." <laughs> you beat them quite well. I've just we, we looked up the score. You beat St. Helens twenty six nil and beat the Leeds team ten six. And like you said, that Leeds team were pretty strong. So, to go, did you play Edinley and uh, the first 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 grade grounds? Yes, I remember running out and uh, that clock, the the big circle clock that was up uh, up at the end of the field. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember that when I came over and I seen that. Um, and oh, when we played that uh, my first Boxing Day game, and I remember going, oh, I've been here before when I was um, eight. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I was wearing the long skins um, 
underneath my jersey because I was freezing cold. It was a cold night, that one. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed that trip. We had some really good players in that team. Um, Locking Coop was in that team. Uh, Wade Graham that plays at Sharks. A fair few players in that team ended up going on and playing um, first grade. And when we were kids, I remember they used to tell us, you know, in this team, only one or two of you are statistically proven that only one or two were meant to go on and play NRL. And it was our job to try and prove, you know, prove that statistic, uh, that them stats wrong. And it turns out that a fair few of us got to go on and play NRL and, you know, make a, make the most of our opportunities in rugby league. Brilliant. Well, the, the honours kept coming, didn't they? Because we've also noticed you are, you're a Cook Island international, uh, but you made your debut at seven, 17 in 2006. So that's the same era. You, you, did you come through the sort of Penrith Juniors straight into the Cook Island international team? Yeah. Um, it, it all pr happened pretty quick. I think I, I remember I was um, I was 15 and I was captain. I was the captain of our New South Wales um, combined high schools uh, school team and then we had the Australian like Australian tournament where you play Queensland schools uh, the Catholic, uh, combined Catholic um, schools New South Wales schools and so they pick Australian merit team after this tournament and I remember I didn't I didn't make it and it broke me I was crying I was I was, in, I was you know my heart was broken not making this Australian merit team under 15s and I remember saying to myself in the sheds, uh, with my with my mom around my shoulders, I said, "Oh, you know, I'm going to become an NRL player." And then from that day, making little sacrifices, everything came pretty quick. Um, you know, making um, merit teams and then going on and all of a sudden playing for the Cook Islands at under uh, at the age of 17. Um, and then yeah, everything was just came pretty fast. Um, do, you remember, do, you, do you remember the game? Your, your debut was against Samoa. Yes, I remember. It was um, in St Mary's. Uh, I come off the bench. I think I scored our only try from, uh, from yeah. and it's it's a funny story that try because I was I come on at nine. I remember, and I think I'm pretty sure I I passed the ball. It was to um, Adam Watine, so Cookie. So I've passed him the ball. He's got wiped out. He's knocked the ball on. Um, everyone stopped because it, because the hit was so big. He's knocked the ball on. I grabbed the ball and just jumped over the line, put the ball down at the try line. And all of a sudden, the refs gave me the try and four cookies there um, on the ground, lying down. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, uh, do you remember who your captain was? Obviously, it was, it was Adam Bettine. And yeah. we're just looking through the teams and just there's a few people we remember. More the Samoan side, George Carmont was the uh, Samoan captain. He yeah. came over here and played for Wigan. Carrie Lulai was in the front row. Hutch Maivia played. Albert Talipar was the hooker for Samoa and he's played for Trinity as well. Yeah, I remember going out there and seeing all these, um, all these fam familiar, familiar names. Um, that had played either NRL or in the Super League, and you know, being a 17-year-old, you know, St Mary's where we played it was my, you know, it's my backyard, so I had all my family and friends there. You know, you know, you got nothing to lose, and you just you go out there and try and prove yourself. And I think being a young 17-year-old, you know, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I was just go out there and take the most of my opportunities. Uh, but yeah, it worked out well. So back to the club rugby team. How did you end up over at the uh, the Roosters? So that um, 
that's another funny story. We were watching my um, younger brother play his grand final, so his club grand final at Penrith Stadium. Um, he ends up doing this big as long cutouts left to right. Then he's gone a few plays later, done a big cutout pass right to left. And um, we were speaking to at the time to Peter Sullivan. And Peter Sullivan was the recruitment manager there at, um, at Roosters. And he's gone over to me and he goes, is that your brother? I'm like, oh, yeah. And he goes, uh, I'd like to have both of you come over. I go, okay, so you want my brother or you want me? And he goes, I'll take both of you. So I go, sweet. So um, my agent at the time was speaking with him. And then I got a, a like a friend, a trial friendly, like a trial for their full-time um just their preseason, sorry. So I got a trial for their preseason. Um, yeah, next thing you know, I was in Roosters' kit that preseason, and uh, yeah, that became my home for a few uh, few years. Excellent stuff. I know, obviously, initially when you went to the Roosters, you ended up in the the Newtown Jets development team as well for that 2010 season. It was quite successful. You finished third in the ladder. But lost in the playoffs, but you were, you know, you got fair, you got voted the fairest and player of the year and top forward as well, if you remember correctly. Yeah, it was. Um, looking at that year, it was more about my own development as a player. Um, I learned everything I could from at Penrith, uh, at the Penrith Panthers. I learned about, you know, my work, hard work ethic, and um, what it takes mentally to try and get to be a first grade player. But being at Roosters, under Brian Smith, Trent Robinson, and Rowan Smith there at the time, I got to develop my skills as a as a rugby league player and understand growing my rugby league IQ. Um, the good thing about over there was I got to play week in week out rugby league um, after training with with the Sydney Roosters and Trent Robinson was the um, was the assistant there and I got to do every single week I got to sit down in his office and we got to do one-on-one one-to-one um, -one video and he got to show me everything I was doing right and everything I was doing wrong then I got to pr um, practice it the following week uh, so as the year grew as the year went on I got to grow I was growing as a player and I got to understand um, from all the, the teachings I was getting from Brian uh, Rowan and Trent I got to put it to practice. And I think that's what players are missing over here. Just that consistent, um, that consistent, being able to play consistently week after week to be able to learn and grow in your, um, learn your craft as a rugby league player and develop your skills. You know, to become a good rugby league player, the best way to do it is, be, you know, play the game. Uh, and I know that with our reserves comp and the, and the academy, it's a bit, you know, I think they've got they play every couple of weeks, which is a big improvement over the last couple of weeks. But you know, if you were to be able to play every single week to be able to grow as a player, I think that's where you'll see the younger players fast track their their development as 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 quality rugby league players. Really good thought process. That I mean, during your three years with with playing with the Jets, you played with some stars who went on to become even bigger stars. But one of them being Mossy Masaya. Is uh what what's he what's he like as a bloke? He's one of the uh, most kindest, happiest, friendliest, biggest men I've ever met. Um, yeah, I got a, a lot of time for Mossimo. So we we uh, were really close. 
he looked after me when I was there at Richards. Um, he was already there when I got there and he, you know, he kind of took me under his wing and made sure I was okay. Being a kid from Western Sydney going out to Eastern suburbs was a, was a big move, you know, coming out of my bubble from Western Sydney. And he made sure that I felt, um, I felt comfortable and felt a part of, you know, the place at Sydney Roosters. So, yeah, it was, you know, one of the nice, he's one of the nicest blokes I, I know. Uh, yeah, he's a good bloke. I think, yeah, I think even when you don't know the bloke, you can see he's one of the nicest and, and uh, just greatest blokes around. And thank God he's, he's finally on the, the, the long road to recovery, but he's, he's doing fantastic. Isn't he? Have, have you spoke to him since his unfortunate accident? Uh, yeah, so when he, when he had his accident at Bellevue, um, it was then based in Wakefield uh, for, so I was there going in uh, every week, just popping my, fa uh, my face in and making sure he was okay. And to be able to, to see his, his attitude, you know, towards his injury and it was, it was real inspiring for myself. So, you know, I'd walk out a, a better person uh, going to see Mossy and um, he was always, you know, smiling and, you know, always looking at the positive side of things. And, um, you know, even if it was just a little twitch in his finger, he was like, oh, check this out, T. You know, what, you know just encouraging, encouraging him. But, you know, he just brought that, um, made me feel grateful for what I had in my life. And, um, you know, he always looked at the positives and, you know, it was a real testament of who he is. Um, to see his recovery and to be able to see him, you know, walk and move before he moved back home. So, um, yeah, I'm real, real happy for him. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll catch up with him soon. Superb. 3rd of April 2011 against the West Tigers. 24,000 people at the Sydney Football Stadium, T. Your NRL debut. What do you remember about that day? That, that uh... You know, I was just saying that's that's my best. That's the best day of my life. You know, I've got twin boys, but that, <laughs> playing that game, I've dreamt about that day for so many years, um, and for it to finally come, it was um, it was such a a dream come true. You know, something that I worked hard for for so for about five years leading into it, not knowing you know when I'd get my opportunity. Um, so. I remember leading, it would be maybe the year before, I knew I wasn't, I had a feeling I wasn't too far off. And um, the year before, Brian Smith, it was the last round game, Roosters were playing the Cowboys away and he put me in his, in his office and he, Brian said, oh, I was thinking about debut, uh, giving you your debut this, this week, but because of salary cap reasons, I wasn't able to put you out on the team. So I just wanted to know, uh, let you know that you know you're close, you're not far off, and that kind of broke my heart even more because I was like, oh, you know, you could have gave me the opportunity, but now you're saying that I, you couldn't. Um, so it just gave me that extra drive. I remember I would wake up some some nights uh, in the middle of the night having a dream that I was running out in the stadium, making my debut. Then I'd wake up and I was like, ah, damn, this, you know, it's just a dream. Um, but that moment when I got told, so it was the day before I was preparing to play for Newtown. And then Brian Smith called me on the Saturday morning. I was at home by myself. And then he's like, oh, 
I need you to bring your gear tomorrow. You'll be, you'll be, uh, you'll be off us. And I'm like, oh, okay, my 18th man. But I'd be, you know, just covering. He goes, no, Frank, Paul's pulled out your plane. Um, don't worry about captain's run. You'll be fine. <laughs> I've just gone, okay, mate, thank you for the opportunity. Tried to keep my call as soon as I hung the phone up. I just screamed and yelled as loud as I could. I think all the neighbours heard me. And um, the first person I called was my mum, then my dad, and then my um, my St. Clair Comets um, head coach, uh, my junior coach that brought me through. So um, then going on to that day, my debut going there, obviously I was, you know, very nervous. Um, you know, there was a kid that played for West Tigers. He come off the bench. I'm not too sure if it was his um, debut, but if you look at the team list, um, <laughs> was it a Mr. Milky? Yeah, <laughs> Milky was there as well. Um, <laughs> running out, yeah, it was just a dream come true to be able to be in that atmosphere to play at the SFS um, with the players around me. You know, players I've you know watched on TV. Um, I remember coming on, and it was we had a penalty. And I looked at my mate Tom Simons and I've gone, oh, you know, you carry it. And he's just screamed at me, goes, hurry up and carry the ball. You just got on. I was just a bit, I was just too nervous to take that first carry. As I took that first carry, I got up, played the ball. I was like, oh, actually, this isn't too bad. And I found another carry in that set. And then there yeah, the game was, um, the game went on pretty quick. But all of a sudden, yeah, it was, it was finished. And when you have your players coming over and shaking your hand or smiling or, you know, saying, you know, good work, you know, we're proud of you, especially the model players like Ray Finesta and Anthony Minicello when they come over and say, you know, well done. It was, um, it was a moment that, you know, I was, I was quite very, very proud of that, you know, of myself in that moment. Um, yeah. And I just took it all in and it was, it was the best day of my life. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm half excited for you because I'm just looking at the Roosters team. I won't go through the whole lot, but like you just said, Minicello, full-back, um, uh, wingers, Justin Carney, Joseph Lair-Lua, half-backs, Todd Carney, Mitchell Pierce, front row, Warrior Hargreaves, Jake Friend, Brayton Astor, Nate Miles, Mossy Masoy on the bench with you. And then in the Tigers' side, Benji Marshall, Andrew Fafita, Robbie Farrer, Keith Galloway, Milky off the bench, Aaron Woods. Fantastic players to be around. Yeah, it was. It was um, a very surreal moment, you know, to be just surrounded by, you know, them them names. I remember my first day turning up to Roosters preseason training, and I was I just felt like a little kid because I'm looking around and you're seeing you know all them names: um, Mitchell Pierce and Todd Carney. Um, I think Jason Ryle was signed that year as well. Uh, Brave Finesta, you know, pretty much named the whole team. And I'm just a little kid from Western Sydney, born in Dunedin, rocking up and all of a sudden training with the Roosters. So, yeah, it was a real surreal moment. Um, but, yeah, something I'll, I'll never forget. Wonderful stuff. That's that, that same, over the next two years, you, you were in and out. You had 33 games over the next two years uh, under Brian Smith. Uh, we've seen Brian Smith at Trinity because he was there when you came over and he, he seems a right character. What's your memories working under Brian Smith for two years? Oh, for longer than that, but and that, that was your first grade time. Yeah, look, I've, um, Brian Smith gave me, you know, gave me my dream, you know, being able to give me the opportunity to, for my, for my dream. So I'll always have um, nothing but respect for Brian Smith. He's, um, he's a very smart, smart man, understands the game, but also looks to try and think outside the box 
and how can he how can he play in a different style of rugby league? Um, he had his way with you know with players and how to get the best out of them. And you know I, I, had, a, I had a really good relationship with Brian. Uh, probably one of the big reasons why I came over to Wakefield with him being head coach. So it was a it was a lot easier knowing that I was coming to a club where I knew the I knew the head coach pretty well. Um, yeah, and even having him and also. Roland Smith and Trent Robinson there um, as his assistants, you know, just being able to learn and pick at their brains um, week in, week out during preseason and during the year and understanding, um, trying to understand how they see the game, uh, how they, how they, what they see as a, as the brains department, you know, that helped me grow my, uh, grow and develop my game. Uh, being, not being the biggest forward or not being the, um, you know, the fastest, the fastest rugby league player or the biggest or the strongest. I had to find ways to to maximize my, you know, my my body type and my my playing style. And I think it was a it was a perfect um a perfect match me being able to learn from them them three over the years, over them years. So what happened the following season? 2013, you only played three games. I was going to ask you what happened under Trent Robinson, but you sounds as though you had a good relationship with with him. So what happened? Were you injured? Did something? No, they just the quality in that squad or the quality in that team. You know, they had a style uh, of a uh, rugby league team that were that had some really really quality players, and you know, it, was, it wasn't nothing that I was sour about or wasn't upset about. It was more. I understood. I understood that, you know, for the club to be in the position that they are now, they had to make some big moves, and you know, they they made them that year. Um, and I was still grateful to be a part of, you know, a part of that squad. Um, I remember I got, I, I got chosen to play in that round one team, um, and I, you know, those three opportunities that I did get to play it was, um, you know, just being able to be a part of that 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 squad and that uh, the culture that we had in that in that year and sort of just be there in the moment was um you know was a privilege something I'll you know I'll always be grateful for. So no I didn't get injured. I spent I, I played a fair bit of um rugby at Newtown at the time. Um, but yeah I, it's nothing that I I look down on. It's something I'm, I'm still proud of, you know, to be able to play with them players and in that team that year. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it was a big moment, you know, something that I'll, I won't forget as well. Good stuff. And before we sort of leave your roosters and your Jets days, we noticed you got picked for the New South Wales residence team uh, in that same t- season in 2013 from the Jets. Uh, curtain raiser to the State of Origin. That was, that must have been a big uh, honour. Yeah, it was. It was, um, you know, if you're not playing the NRL and you're playing your South Wales Cup, that's probably the the closest or the best thing that um, that you can be re- rewarded with in that in that league, and being a Blues, you know, growing up in New South Wales, and you still have that same rivalry against that Queensland team. And I remember that game; it was probably one of my toughest and funnest games that I've I've been a part of. You know, we we slogged out a good battle against that Queensland team, and the players that we had next. You know, we grew a we didn't know each other. Personally, or we got we we quickly got to know each other over a space of one week, 
but we after that game we all ended up being really close um, close friends just because of that commitment that we got to share for each other um, and that desire just to find a way to beat Queensland and get it over them because I think we lost the couple years leading into that into that year. So yeah, it was, it's a game that I'm, I'm I'm quite proud of and something you know a game that will always be one of them games in my mind. A few, few names on there as well were recognised from our days. Sam Williams at uh, Scrum Half, he came over to Trinity. Um, Josh Mantellato on the wing, he came to Old KR. Uh, Chad Townsend, I think he's still playing in the NRL now. Uh, who was the other one? Uh, Peter Batautia at Newcastle. So you had some fair stars who went on as well. Yeah, you got Peter there, um, Peter from Warrington, and Jason Clark as well. So both of them were there. Um, yeah, some real, some real big stars that end up going on and making, um, having good careers as well. Tell us about your transfer over to the Shire team. You know, Quinola Sutherland Sharks, another big club you've been a part of. Yes, so um, I think I had another year at the Roosters, so I had uh, 2014 on my contract and. Uh, I think Sharks come in and said, if we can, we'll, we'll give you a two-year deal. And I, I went into the office and had a chat with Trent Robinson. And, you know, he, he's, I have so much respect because, for him because he was, you know, he's very honest, and he, but he also um, was supportive as well. So he, he said, look, um, would love to still keep you here, but I can't promise you how many games you'll get the next year whether it be a few games like you did this year this year or you might you know you might get you know a number of years uh, a number of a, a number of games more um, he goes but if you do do decide to go to sharks you know I'll always support you and you know I'll, um, I'll always make sure that I'm watching you and and support you from the sidelines um, so the opportunity to secure another two years at, at another club and I thought, okay, maybe it's a fresh start for me and my family and I'll be able to kick on again and try and excel my career there. Um, but So yeah, moved over to Cronulla and it was, uh, it was a real fun year that first year I got there. And I think we got the wooden spoon, but you know, just being, because of all the dramas that happened at Sharks that year, uh, but I, I think I, I really, that was one of my funnest years of my rugby career so far, being a part of that, that team. Um, got to play with my first cousin, Tupo Sopuanga, um, in NRL, which is another dream come true, being able to play with, you know, blood um, at a very high level, at, at the highest level in, in Australia. It's is something my family's proud of. Um, yeah, I, quite, I, I really enjoyed my time in, at Sharks and also learning off great players like Paul Gallen um, and all those senior players that were there at the time and, you know, Luke Lewis, Wade Graham and them, them type of players. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't long after, obviously, that time period. They actually won the NRL. Did, did you feel there was something building with the club? Like you said, they had so many good experienced players. Yes, uh, especially the year before I left. You could just tell that something was, was growing. Um, being a part of that Rooster squad, you know, it was a similar kind of feeling that the players were starting to get that belief that, you know, why not Why not us? Why can't we be, be successful? Um, why can't they be the first Cronulla Sharks team to to um, win an NRL competition? I'm pretty sure they were the first yeah. Cronulla Sharks team, yeah. So, yeah, and then 
I think they recruit uh, brought over Michael Innes and he sort of just clicked it all into gear and everything just seemed to fall in place uh, for them. And unfortunately, in, in 2016, uh, going on and winning the tournament, I went back at the end of 2016 um, and ended up celebrating with them during, after their grand final. So it was a, it was a fun time. <laughs> Uh, just before we leave your Australian part of your career, tell us a bit more about your Cook Island career. Well, you, you've got nine caps. You've played in such exotic places such as Cairns, Port Moresby and PNG, Bristol and Lee. <laughs> uh, and then obviously the 2013 World Cup as well. Yes. So playing for your country or for your, your heritage, it's it's different than just any other rugby league game you know you you take pride in your jersey you're, you're representing your family your culture your upbringing um or your grandparents so it's all and then everyone every other player's families as well so and then sitting there doing that and having doing the anthem you know i'm having tears in my eyes thinking of my grandparents at the time um doing the haka and you know your blood boiling getting ready to play you know play with more so your family, you know, you're playing with, you know, all your extended cousins from your, from your same, from the same country. And just having that, um, that experience to be able to represent my, uh, my family was, uh, it's something that I, I, I'm definitely proud of. Uh, there was a game, the one that sticks out, that one, probably the, one of my most favourite games um, was the 2009 in Cairns. I think it was 2009 in Cairns. We played Samoa, so we weren't meant to go there and win win that tournament, uh, win that game. The winner of that game was going on to Pacific Cup to play the Pacific Cup in PNG. Um, so we quickly got Dave Fairley was the coach, and he got all the um, young Cook Islanders that had come through some sort of system. So a lot of us, or the majority of us, were all under 20s players. None of us had played um, NRL yet. So we got went up to Cairns, and Samoa had all these big names, um, you know, guys that had played NRL, guys that had played Super League. And I only found out recently that the head coach of that team was Willie Poaching. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yeah, Just looking at the team, yeah. So we went on, and um, we ended up, Beating, we ended up beating them and then we had to wait in Cairns for a few days because they had to change all the flights, the, the names, because everything was booked for the Samoan team. So the flight, the hotel to go to PNG and play in the Pacific Cup. And, you know, we had guys that were working, most of us were all working, so they always had to ask for time off work for another couple of weeks, um, time away from their family. So one week away in Cairns um, turned out to be three weeks away from Cairns and PNG and away from all our families and um, all our jobs and we ended up going and making the final. So we beat Fiji and then we had to play PNG in the grand final um, at Port Moresby. We ended up losing, but we the opportunity to play them teams. And we I remember thinking before the game, imagine if we won because the winner of that tournament got to play in the Four Nations the next year um, with the Kiwis. Australia and England. I said, imagine if we won and we had Kiwis, Australia, England and Cook Islands and the four nations in Australia. Um, but yeah, so then looking at that team, a lot of us ended up going on and you know, making good careers. Uh, Brad Takarangis, John O'Ford, a few you know, names that had gone on and played NRL and 
and come over to Super League. Superb stuff, mate. You mentioned Willie Poach in there. Nice way to fill link into our next one. Um, you, you briefly mentioned, obviously, your relationship with Brian Smith. Was he the one that brought you over to Wakefield in the end? Uh, yes. So he, um, yeah, he, him and my agent at the time was um, speaking to one another. And uh, when I got the, op- when I when my agent told me I, you know, I had an opportunity to come over to Wakefield, um, Brian Smith there, and I, as soon as I knew Brian, Brian was here, I, didn't, I was like, yep, yeah, okay, well, I'll speak to my family, but I'm pretty sure that that, that will be our next move. Um, just making it more, like for me, it was, it was just a, that comfort, that bit of comfort, knowing that I'm coming to a club and Brian Smith understands my game. I understand Brian Smith. It's, um, you know, it shouldn't be too, a, too hard of a transition. Did you come on your own or were you married at the time? Um, so at the time, Anthony Tupo actually signed and we played together at Cronulla Sharks. Um, so me and him both travelled over together. And then Michael had uh, put us in a in like a cottage house in Durka. So me and, Durka. Yeah, me and Anthony Tupo were staying in Durka when we first arrived. I remember... So our intern picked us up from the airport. We ended up, uh, we drove to Durka, uh, got got out, and uh, Michael and Tracy were putting my bed together. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, that's where I first met uh, yeah Michael and Tracy, and then um, they left me and Anthony with uh, Anthony had a car, so we ended up getting, having our car there, and then we were just looking around going. Is this, is this what England's like? Is this what Wakefield's like? It's like in the middle of nowhere. We couldn't see any any shops, any town, uh, no towns, uh, no big city or anything. It was just like, ah, look like it looks like room for a big one here, mate. Uh, but it was good to have, you know, have one another when we first moved over. Could you remember your debut? Um, I could, my first game I remember was the Boxing Day hit out. Oh, yeah. And then, I know that's not your debut, but I can't. No. It was witness at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was, obviously, that you had the friend, Liz the Featherstone, for your first debut, 7th of February, uh, 2016, we beat witness, at, we lost to witness at home, 1624. Uh, yeah, see, so, I, I remember, I do remember that. I remember. You were locked, lock, loose forward. Yeah, I remember the Boxing Day game and I remember the game at Featherstone, that friendly. It was like uh, the friendly before. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they all come pretty fast after that. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, I won't, I won't sort of reel off all, all the names, but on your debut, um, see if you remember some of the names. Obviously, Ben Jones-Bishop was um, full-back. Oh, I remember all the players. Don't yeah, they're all the players, yeah. Recent, recently, Tom Johnson on the wings. Bill Tupo, Joe Arundel in the centres, Milky and uh, Liam Finn, scrum half and halfbacks. Uh, you were in the forwards with Nick Scruton, Stuart Howarth, Anthony England, Matty Ashurst, Danny Kermond, and then Anthony Tupo, Scott Anderson, Michael Seo, and John Malloy on the on the bench. That was your debut team. Nice. Yeah, I remember we got off to a bad start, didn't we? We did. We lost. We lost, We won one game in the first seven. Seven. Yeah. I yeah, uh, yeah. I think that seventh uh, was a five games. It was the fifth game before um, Brian left. 
That was it. That was my next question. Obviously, you, you came over with knowing Brian quite well. After five games, games he went. What yeah. were you, what were your thoughts then? Uh, a bit concerned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bit concerned. Uh, I think by then I had my family here, so it was like it was okay. You know, I know that Brian had to do what he needed to do, and um, it was yeah, it wasn't no. No bad blood. It was all good. I just, I knew, I know, you know, I've always had respect for Brian. So when he moved on, I was like, okay, yeah, he's, as a man, he's just doing what he needs to do and, uh, you know, crack on with our next job. Good. You settled in well because our season is a bit longer than the Australian season. 34 games in that um, 2016 season. You played 32. So you sort of settled in quite well. Chris Chester came in, new coach, uh, and we're finishing the top eight. Yeah, the thing with, um, you know, I just, I love playing rugby league. I really enjoy playing rugby league. It's like my, it's always been my escape from reality and somewhere where I get to express myself. And, you know, I feel like I, you know, that's my, I get to be myself on the rugby, on the rugby field. So I remember at the end of that year, I went home. Uh, my brother got married at the end of that year and I was, I was in Cook Islands and, um, just relaxing now. I remember reflecting on that year. I was like, that was a real big year, having 32 two games going on to play in the semi-final um, in the, for the Challenge Cup. And um, I still think I was still learning the Super League game at the time as well and, and trying to gain respect from my, from my own players and my own peers and understand, letting, helping them understand how I play and also understanding how, I, how they play and I was still I was still growing as a player and as a um, as a lock forward at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that same season, you've, you've mentioned the semi final, sixty two nil against Wigan. Did that stand out, and then the, the magic weekend uh, at Newcastle with Milky's drop goal. Did they stand out with you? Yeah, the sixty two nil against Wigan always uh, stands out for me. I remember that at home. Um, also, my close friend Willie Issa was playing on the other team, and you know, usually with seeing playing against each other, we get to go and you know shake hands and catch up quickly before they go into the sheds. But yeah, he went straight into the shed, didn't even shake my hand. So I had to quickly text him and go, "Oh, is everything okay?" And he goes, "Oh, I don't think um, Wayne would have been happy if if I was to come over and have a yarn with you after that performance, I go, it's all good, no worries. <laughs> I understand, I, I wouldn't like that after 62-0 either. <laughs> and then the next season was even better, 2017, we finished fifth. Uh, we won three out of our seven Super 8 games. We beat Wigan at home, we beat Leeds at home in the playoffs. Uh, it was another consistent season, you only missed three games. But I remember smiling at this, because we're, we're both physiotherapists by trade, and you pulled your hamstring at Wigan. And I'm thinking, props don't pull hamstrings. How did you pull your hamstring at Wigan? <laughs> oh, it was... Um, you, yeah, that, they were the only, the, only, the only games you missed in that season. You pulled yeah. Your, you, your I, hamstring I, at Wigan. I, you, you mentioned it. It was um, my foot got stuck and Tom Lulois pulled my leg up. So one, mm -hmm. one foot got stuck and then the other leg come up and then, you know, my hamstring couldn't handle the, the pressure. So it wasn't by running at any high speeds or anything. It was, it was by force that a hamstring pull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that explains it then. I, I just couldn't remember you making a break pulling the hamstring, that was all. Yeah, no, was, there's no high-speed metres. Um, maybe back in the end days, but no, not during that injury. <laughs> this was kind of the area where Chesley were, were buying quite 
big lads for the pack as well. You know, we had Fafita, we had Anthony England, Craig Huby, Keegan Hurst, Mitch Allgood, along with the likes of Danny Kermo and, and Ashurst and Michael Sewer as well. Did you feel as though you bedded into that pack and, and the environment quite well? Yeah, we um, we grew a, quite a good combination. Um, I've always considered myself as a a bigger lock forward um, that can play both prop and lock when needed. Uh, I played a prop when I was at Cronulla, so I got to learn my craft there as a prop and also watching Paul Gallen and them big medals that we had there. Um, like Sam, there was Sam Take It Easy as well that I got to learn off. So learning how to play prop, but also growing up learning how to play lock, I, I just adjust between the two of them. Um, so yeah, when when I did have bigger middles next to me, guys like where Dave Ingi, um, Scrooge was there, just genuine big men, Mitch Allgood, I got to you know play a more of a lock role, um, where I think. I, like, I, I think that I play some of my best footy. I've played some of my best games as a lock. Um, but yeah, it's easy. To, it's a, I find that being more experienced, I can now adjust between the two when need be. In the modern game, the, the, the props and the loose forward kind of get pushed into the middles category, don't they? But what, what do you see as kind of the main difference between being a prop and, and loose forward in kind of 2022? Um, the games, so the game has gone a bit quicker, a lot quicker. Um, so the bigger middles now, they probably don't last as long as they used to because they don't get that rest in the game and that you know getting up and down, up and down real quick. Um, so back in the day, you could you know you could send your big middle, you can send the next big middle, and then you can go off. You know you can play with the defensive line holding back. Whereas you know that's probably the big the big difference having them them two big middles we can just go bang bang and then play off the back of it whereas these days you probably see more of the sets getting started from the outside backs you know, look at um all the top meter makers are probably more so the outside backs these days more than middles and the other ones that are trying to generate that ruck speed and once they get a quick run then, then it's easier for the ball players to play or to pick the right pass or to pick the right the right line. So being a um, a lighter middle with two bigger men, you can play off the back of um, more go forward. But then, you know, if I'm the bigger men, then it's like, okay, I'll try and cut us forward and you know, build that build that leg speed and try and find crafty ways to get quick play of the balls um, where we can play off the back of. Interesting, very interesting analysis. Um, twenty eighteen followed with another fantastic season. We finished fifth. What worked so well for you in in that time period? Just to, you know, back to back fifth place. <laughs> we were constantly in good form and an international players as well on the side. Um, was eighteen the year when all the lads made dream team? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just think everything was. Um, this, Jalling, everyone was just jalling. Everyone, after a few years being together, or the core group that had been there, um, everyone understands how, everyone finally understood how everyone played. And we still get that, there moments now where, um, you know, I don't even need to look at Milky or see Milky. I, I know where he is. I can just pass it to him. He's in the right place at the right time. But because we've just had them games under our belt, we've been playing with each other. Um, play next to each other on the field. So all the combinations, all the timings just seem to work well. 
and then we got to grow on our game as well. So we're adding new players um, as the year went on because we were growing in confidence. You know, all the we got all the basics right, which allowed us to um, develop and growing more. What's the word? More, more technical, harder attacking players to try and defend. And then when you grow that bond, also defense is more of an attitude. Um, so when you have that that close bond as a as a group, when you defend, it's more like okay, I'm going to put my body on the line for you because we've we've now got that that bond, we've got that um, chemistry. So it's 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 like a a hidden language or a, a hidden trust between one another, where we get to go out and defend as a unit and trust one another on the field and and you know sacrifice one another, um, sacrifice yourself for the team. That's the way I see it. Say you're a man who, who, who doesn't watch much rugby league, as, as, as you mentioned. You've got a very analytical mind for the game. Is, is that, are, you, are you kind of looking into coaching a bit in the future? I know you're involved in the academy. Yeah, so when I do watch the game, I watch it more of a, um, on a tactical side. I don't like, sometimes I have to tell myself you're watching as a fan today so I'll switch off the coaching hat. I'll take off the coaching hat and watch the game as a as a fan and just enjoy the enjoy the um, enjoy the context enjoy the you know the athletes playing rugby league um, but the majority of the time I'm I'm watching and learning how what plays work or you know why would try scored why would um, <clears throat> why did certain plays work um, something that I've always, I've known rugby league for a long time and I've got to understand and grow a real strong love for the game. Um, yeah, and it's like, it's a, it is a passion of mine. I remember I've been help, um, coaching or working with our academy the last few years with MASH and now Pitsy. And I remember that um, during preseason, I was like, oh, if I could do this for the rest of my life. And I felt like it's, I'm meant to be there. I'm meant to be here. Um, so at the minute, I'm just, working with Pitsy and trying to grow my experience um, in that space and develop the skills on how to communicate with you know, different personalities and um, groups of people, uh, which is something that I'm enjoying. And I think that is, uh, you know, it is a, it's a passion of mine that I'm looking forward to pursuing in the future, near future. <laughs> Um, you'd sort of got settled in now as a, a Mr. Consistency. You'd, you'd only missed six games in your first 104, 105 games, and you were sort of, you're on a roll. Your 105th game was at Huddersfield in 19, 2019. Tell us about your ACL rupture. Um, what was the journey like mentally and physically in your rehab? Um, I'll be very honest with you. I think it was one of the toughest times of my life. <laughs> yeah. It was um, something that has made me the man I am today, which looking back, I, you know, I'm grateful for going through that, through that journey. I learned some very valuable lessons, um, going through some very dark times, coming through the other end and, um, you know, learning them lessons have made me the, um, made me the person I am, the man I am today. Not only through the physical aspect, more so the, the emotional part of the journey, you know, pulling rugby league away from me is like pulling something, you know, close, real, real close to me. So I didn't get to play any league and watch 
watching the boys go through that year. Um, and I know it was a tough year that year. It was, um, you know, it was hard for me to watch um, and I couldn't do anything other than try and prepare myself for the next year. Um, it did help having Tom Johnson there. You know, Tom done his knee a few weeks before that and having him on that journey was, was a lot easier, you know, than for me, I think would have been a lot easier than if I was to go through that journey by myself. Um, but yeah, I think looking back now, you know, I am grateful for, for being able to, to understand the lessons that I learned and, and learn from them instead of making them, you know, take me down, downhill. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a long journey. I think it was, it was, might've been 10 game, uh, 10 months from that surgery to to that first game against Bradford, um, the worst the the hard thing was I played Bradford, then played Hull FC, then COVID hit, so I only got to you know got a little taste, and then I had to wait another. I think it was about four, five months, six months before I got to get back on the field. Um, yeah. But it might have been a blessing in disguise because my hip, my knee got to heal up again, and I got to come back um, fitter and stronger. Yeah, I mentioned that, that you were out for 10 months, two games in, COVID arrived and you had another four or five months off. Um, I was like, what was your man mental battle there? Well, you were so far away from home. Obviously, you couldn't go anywhere. Did you have your family still with you at this time, around that lockdown time? Yeah, yeah, my family was here. Um, my wife, she was, she's working with um, the NHS. So during lockdown, I had the boy, uh, my sons and you know, that time that I got to spend with my sons was um, something that, you know, was, it was actually real special for me because I didn't really, um, I didn't have that time in the past to be able to spend quality time, quality time with my sons and um, COVID hit. So it, was, it kind of forced us to be able, forced us to spend that because we had nothing else to do with to stay at home. So it was just me and my two sons and having that quality time trying to figure out things to, um, to keep busy, I'd try and stay fit because we didn't know when we were coming back to play, to play more rugby. Um, so they they were joining in, then I had to, you know, they're like a little energy ball. So trying to keep them busy at the same time, um, it was an experience that I, I actually quite enjoyed. Uh, looking back now, and it's, it's time that I'll cherish because I, you know, I got to share that time with my sons and grow a stronger relationship with the both of them. Yeah, a few people said that with the lockdown. You also did a, an interesting blog when you were when you went through your ACL rehab. I remember you putting it on Twitter or Facebook every now and again. Yeah. You, when your brace come off and your first steps and you got rid of your crutches and your first bit of rehab, that was interesting. Was that good for you? Yeah, it was something where I wanted to document um, the journey and look back in, in the future and sort of seeing what I got, went through. I think I hit a point and we weren't going well as a rugby league team at the, towards my, the end of my second video. And that was, I think we got knocked out of Challenge Cup. Uh, might've been that Saints game. I think Saints knocked us out. The, the game Crofty played and he scored. Yeah. Um, I was doing commentary that, that game. And I remember thinking like, I didn't want to walk around the sheds with my camera while the team was struggling. I didn't think it was the right thing for my uh, for the team. And so I just thought, uh, 
I'll put that on the background. But it was, it was something that I was enjoying at the time and something that was keeping me busy and keeping my mind, um, my mind occupied during that time. Uh, but yeah, I just thought just because we were struggling at the time um, as, a, as a club, we weren't doing too well. Um, I thought I'd just pack it up. <laughs> and, th and then we're on to the modern day, T. Willie Poaching's coming. Obviously, Chris Chester left the club after a, a really successful time period, but Willie's, Willie's in, the hall, in, the, in the hot seat now. How's life under Willie and, and, and the positivity around the club seems to, be, seems to be huge at the minute? Yeah, I think Willie's doing a great job. Um, you know, at the end of last year, you could see the results and the, the shift in, um, in the performances. Uh, I think with Willie, he holds some real strong values and he, he expresses them to our team. And, you know, lead, I, I'm a strong believer in that, you know, leadership starts at the top and for a man in that position to have them, them strong values and, being a, a generally good person and a man and to, I think what he's trying to do is not only develop good rugby league players, but also develop good young men and to be a part of, um, to understand what we're a part of, at, what they're a part of at Wakefield Trinity, you know, understanding, understanding our past, understanding who we represent, understanding our community, um, which gives a, you know a larger purpose for most players that think oh, I'll just go you know go play rugby, get paid, and throw on a wakey jersey, play eighty minutes, and you know bank bank your your money's in your bank at the end of the month. But I think you know there is a larger purpose to to playing for this club, and you know that's Willie's doing a great job in trying to help players understand that. Excellent stuff. We actually interviewed Will, Willie in, in, a, in one of our early podcasts and he was telling us about that project he began at the start of the season, learning more about the culture of the club and the heritage of the club and actually involved me and my dad in that as well. What, what did you have to do? Did, what did you present in the end? Um, so I had uh, at one of the decades and I, I asked your dad to, for some information and then he traded me for... Uh, my time here. <laughs> so, um, then we, I, so I, me, Sid, and um, Brad, we were, that was our group. And I done a Zoom meeting with Ali Lautiti. So we interviewed him. He was back, um, back home in Auckland. And we spent the morning, uh, one morning, um, speaking to him about his time at Wakefield and um, his experiences. And then we shared. That information across to the across to the team. Excellent. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was fun. Um, also, just understand um, learning about the the past teams, the past decades, and and how how strong our history is as a club. Um, how strong, how far back our our club goes, and you know the past players, and hearing their that common. Um, opinion on Wakefield Trinity, you know, when you come here, everyone's a tight-knit group, everyone sticks together. You know, it seems like that's been a big part of Wakefield Trinity in the recent times with the players is that we've always stuck together no matter what. Um, but yeah, I, enjoy, I, I enjoyed that part of um, learning about Wakefield, Wakefield in deeper, in a deeper level, on a deeper level.
Excellent stuff, mate. We've already mentioned at the beginning, obviously, 146 games into your Wakefield career. Now, I'm ever, ever rolling. I'm fingers crossed you'll reach 150. But but the names at the top of that that um, that list with you are the likes of Bill Tupu, Ali Lawatiti, David Solomona, and our own Willie Porchin. That that's an incredible amount of, of talent and history and culture just there for you. What what does that mean mean to you being a part of a of a list with, with them names on? Yeah, it's a privilege and it's an honour. Um, I think just just being able to represent uh, Wakefield alone or to be able to play play for such a, a strong club. You know, I've grown a real um, a real love for this club and I've you know, been invested a lot of my a lot of my you know blood, sweat, and tears into into this into this badge and my jersey. And I know after or before every game, I'm you know I say a few words to myself and just thankful for for being here in this moment and you know just grateful to have an opportunity to represent not only you know our team and our club but also the the community um, understanding the fans that come and watch you know cheer you on you know it's their they they invest a lot of their their time and their emotions into our team as well so it's it's our duty to to make sure that we respect um, respect them by putting you know, giving our best. You know, sometimes we might not get, you know, the result, but as long as we're trying our best and we can walk off with our, our, our head held high and understanding that we did, you know, put in, we tried our best and, you know, put in that big effort, then, you know, that's all that I can ask or we can ask for as a team. And I think, you know, the more we're getting that more times than not um, in the recent, in the recent, in the recent games anyway. Wonderful stuff. Just as we start winding down a little bit, uh, we're always fascinated. A few people have asked us as well. Tell us about the the week in the life of a modern Super League player. You know, you played yesterday. What have you done today? What What's the plan for the week until we play Salford? What's your diet like? Your physio? Your training? What's a What's a week in the life of Tiarona like? Uh, do you want to know the start of my career? Or <laughs> Just now. <laughs> now. Because it's, it's definitely changed over the years. <laughs> yeah. You know, the old joints can't um, can't afford to be uh, doing what I was doing back in the day, um, but no, it's so it's a bit of a different look this year. We've got our um, essence, a new SNC coach, uh, JK John Kelly. He's um, he's come over from Toronto and brought in a, his a new kind of routine for us, something that we haven't been used to because we've had you know such a the same kind of the same staff for up until this year, um, which I'm quite enjoying. I feel like we're getting a lot more, we're getting a lot more out of our, our training sessions and performances. Um, so we played yesterday. We, uh, we'll do our own recovery today. So players will be down at Total Fitness. We'll popping in, in and out um, doing recovery stuff. So. This morning, went for a half an hour walk with Mason Lino. Just uh, on the treadmill, there's a, there's a Sudoku puzzle. <laughs> so I'll just walk and play Sudoku while talking to Mason. We'll you know, talk about the game and what we could have done better, uh, what we've done well. Um, then we, a few of us, will meet down in the sauna and we'll do our recovery sessions in the sauna and the our transition from sauna to hot uh, to cold cold showers, 
Um, tomorrow is another recovery day. And then on Wednesday, we will be, will be our first um, session preparing for Salford on Sunday. So that will consist of a meet in the morning. We'll do our uh, video preview. So watching, oh, sorry, review. So watching our past, our past game. So it'll be Warrington this week. Um, see what we've done well, see what we've done not so well. And then we'll have a quick break. Then we'll go on to watching um, Salford's defence. Uh, after that video session, we'll be going down to prepare for the field, our field session. Then we'll get, um, we'll be on the field for about an hour or maybe just over. <clears throat> after field, we'll uh, have another break. Then we split off into two groups. One group will be in the gym doing their strength work. The other group will be in the wrestle room um, doing either small skills or contact sessions, working on your, you know, defense in the wrestle in the wrestle room and then we'll switch over and then we'll go um then we all finish with lunch together um <clears throat> willie's made sure that it's important for us to all eat together so we make sure that come lunchtime everyone's in the room we all you know sit we're not in all different groups or in our own groups everyone's in you know sitting sitting together as a group and having lunch together and then we all make our way after after lunch back home. Um, then we'll have another training session the next day that will consist of off-field um, conditioning or weight um, upper body strength and then uh, a bit of off-field um, like wrestling kind of conditioning um, sessions with MASH. <clears throat> then on the, uh, so we'll do three days in a row. So that will be Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, then Friday will be our last session before our Sunday kickoff. So on Friday, we'll be doing our, our big field session, pre preparing for Salford. We'll have another meeting as a group to go over sort of like the game plan, what we're meant to be doing, um, what we're doing as units to help um, perform against Salford. And then we'll do a quick power session in the gym and then back have lunch together as well. And then we'll have uh, another rest day on Saturday and then we'll be meeting up, getting ready to play at Bellevue. Good stuff. Are you, are you uh, uh, on a match day? Are you always in a good mood? Are you grumpy and focused and switched on? Um, I am a very nervous player going into a game. So... I, it's like a. I was actually thinking about it this week. Um, going on, going to the game. It's a. It's like an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, you know, the amount of different emotions that go through your body or go through your mind, um, leading into a game. You know, my heart's racing. You know, as I'm going on the bus, and I just try and calm myself down. Because um, you don't want to be too nervous where you're burning too much energy, but you also don't want to be too flat where you're. When, when you're tired and you, you know, you're not awake for the for kickoff, so you have to find that right balance. Um, <clears throat> thoughts of self-doubt going into a game, you know, fear of failure, um, you know, everything that can try and break your confidence. You, those thoughts run through my mind, and then as soon as the kickoff goes and I get the ball in my hand, then it's like all gone. 
it's like, okay, I'm in, I'm in my, I, I get in my zone pretty quick. Um, so I just try and get involved, try and get an early touch if I if the um, ball hasn't been kicked off to my side or I'll try and get straight into a tackle just to get straight into the game. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of a... I've played... So the, the amount of games that I've played, it still does not get any easier. You know, sometimes you, you wonder why... Why do you play the sport? To, you know, why do you put yourself through these emotions? Why do you put yourself through this, through this journey? And then after the game, that that sense of um, pride, shoulders up, chin up. You know, you've you've gave yourself, you've sacrificed yourself for the team. You've done you know selfless selfless efforts. You're proud of your performance. Represented your family, your community. Um, well, and then it's them moments in the shed where you're like, okay, this is why I play the game. This is why, you know, we're meant to be meant to be here in this moment. That so that's those moments. Um, I remember asking Craig Fitzgibbon when I was at Roosters. He was our assistant, and I said, "What do you miss most about playing rugby league?" And uh, Fitzy said to me, "He goes, it's not so much the game that he missed. It was more." The camaraderie, uh, the the moment in the sheds after a game, where you have all your players around you, you've all just put in a big shift. You've all sacrificed your bodies for each other. You've all put in work for each other. That moment where that that sense of um, that proud moment. He goes, "That's the moment I missed. The moment in the sheds with with all the all the players that you've just shared the shared the field with." Um, so yeah, it's something that I, when I'm in the sheds now after a game, I, I just take in the moment. You know, I know the 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 clock is ticking, so I'm just trying to take um, make the most of every every game that um, that I get to be a part of. Just up. Yeah, out of your 146 games, is there any one game that stands out in your Trinity career for Wakefield? Yeah. Uh, well, there's just so many. You can't remember. You couldn't remember your debut. <laughs> yeah, no, there are there are a few. The one of the the one that I won't forget is that snow game. <laughs> the one that got caught off. Um, another one would definitely be the one that I got injured because I think I was having one of my best games up until that that injury. Uh, and I remember the carry was like a 20, 30 meter carry before I, you know, I got chopped and then my knee went. Uh, I won't forget that 54 metre try that I scored off um, skids <laughs> last year. That that one will always be uh, be one that I'll remember. And just the ones that we where everything just just fell into place. You know, like that 62 nil against Wigan, and you know playing beating them bigger teams. Even recently, the last two games against Warrington, they. You know, those performances are the ones that, you know, we will remember because we've always been the ones that, you know, even some of some people that we know, you know, doubt, doubt us before we even take the field when we go play them bigger teams. So to be able to come off the field and um, win those kind of games, those are the ones that I remember. Superb stuff, Tinny. Just before we start to wind down, obviously with your involvement in the academy, we've had a lot of players come through um, successfully in the past couple of years, um, you know, the likes of Bachelor, Crowther, Crofty, Jowett, um, Johnston, the list goes on, mate. But who, who's catching your eye in the academy at the minute? Who, who are we, who should we look out for coming through in the future? Uh, yeah, so there's a, 
a couple there. Um, I know Ollie Pratt and Carter Beavers, the two centres. I think they, you know, they're showing some real um, quality, um, especially in their position at playing outside backs. They just have that resilience to and that, that athletic build to to beat defenders with the ball in their hand. They have a natural ability to to play, you know, be natural um, to play a fast attacking rugby league style. So those two are the uh, two that I'll keep my eye on. Interesting stuff, mate. Very good. And when when your career eventually ends, obviously we're not going to put a, a time or date on it. Do you think you'll stick around in Wakefield or are you going to go back home? Um, yeah, so off contract this year. Uh, I think my agents, you know, I, I have a, a, a good agent that I trust dearly, um, Graham Taylor, that he's working behind the scenes. And, you know, wherever... Wherever you know, I'd love to stay here. I just don't know what's what's. It's not. It's not in my control. You know, I've always learned over the years. You know, I used to stress stress at these times where you're off contract, but um, it's about not worrying about what you can't control. You know, can worry about the things I can't control, and the things I can control is what I do on the field. So as long as I'm enjoying my rugby, I know that you know things will eventually take care of themselves and. You know, whether I leave or whether I stay, you know, Wakefield will always be, you know, my home away from home. Um, my family has grown, you know, my sons that grew up here. I think I've developed as not only a rugby league player, but also a man, you know, at 20, I was at 25 when I first came, 20, 25, I think. 2016, you're saying, yeah. Yeah, 25, so end of 2015 and turning 33, in May, so it's like, you know, to be able to grow as a man, um, as a father and as a husband, you know, from the lessons that I've learned from my time here at Wakefield, it's, uh, you know, this will always be my home away from home. Well, from arriving in Wakefield to Michael Carter, fixing your bed up for you, to being a, a man who's pushing 150 games for the club team, I can tell you now the fans appreciate your passion your hard work and your grit and determination on the field. And, and uh, we just want to thank you for coming on the podcast and being the first current player on the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast. Thank you for your time, T. I oh, appreciate that, guys. Thank you for having me, Jamie Lee. Thank you. I'm sure I'll see your faces around. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Matt. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 19 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast. You can find us on all podcasting platforms worldwide. Follow us on Facebook under the Wakefield Trinity Heritage banner and Twitter at WT Heritage Pod. Thank you to my co-host, Lee Robinson. Thank you once again to Tinny Rowerona. And I've been Jamie Robinson, and we will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscamara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!